Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have Paul Granger here today. He is a full-time community-based ministry. That's what he Mm -hmm. works on. And he's a host of Where Did You See God? And uh, he was telling me he has over 100 episodes and no shortage of stories to be told on his podcast. But today he's going to tell us a story about an odd house hunting experience that he had. So welcome to the show, Paul. Yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate just the opportunity to share. And I also appreciate, you know, with your podcast, you are trying to make a space for people to share their stories without any judgment without any pressure to like present yourself in a certain way. And I, that's just such a storytelling is so important. So thank you for what you're doing. It's, it's so needed. Yeah. Uh, and I particularly appreciate it because, so I think out the gate, it's important for me to share that I identify as a Christian. And I imagine that among your listeners, you, based on your episodes and your guests, you have a wide demographic of people that come yeah. through. And so I want to name that because, that's a broad sweep term, right, Christian? And that can mean a lot of things, depending on what somebody's experience with it is. Somebody could say, oh, man, is he one of those Christians? Or <laughs> uh, does that mean he has like a very hard, stubborn stance on something or a political party? Or, oh, is he going to use this to try to convert me? Like, what is going on, right? And so, you know, and I want to name from the start is when I say that, uh, for me, I see it as i you know, believe in God, I believe uh, in this guy called Jesus, and I'm trying to live my life in a way that reflects how he lived. So more like a Christ follower than a Christian, because, man, these days, that term is is weighted and can carry a lot. And when I start telling my story, which involves God, uh, I don't want to, one, uh, anybody to be scared off by because of negative experiences with Christianity or the church, or two, uh, for any false assumptions to come in based on what I share because yeah, this is just my story. And so this is the other reason I appreciate your podcast is what I'm about to share is a type of story that some Christians would be uncomfortable with (laughs) because (laughs) a lot of Christians for them, it's I go to church, but when you start getting to some of the crazier, weirder stuff of what it could mean if God is real and if he does work in crazy ways, some people don't like to touch that. And so you know, as you shared, I've been doing ministry work in the community. I've worked with a number of different ministries and nonprofits over the years. I've always gone to church all my life. So I've always had this idea that there was a God, but it wasn't until I was in middle school and high school and college that I started to really personally explore, well, what does this mean to me? What do I actually believe? What is important to me? How do I think this world works? And that shaped a lot of how I function, um, you know, working in ministry, A lot of what I do is based in this idea that I believe of what it means to love your neighbor. 
and how can I give of my time and of my energy and of my gifts and my talents to, to love my neighbors around me? And part of that for me has taken the form of community-based work of actually being in a space and the space that I'm in is one that it's a higher level of uh, concentrated poverty, low-income housing. There's high levels of drug addiction, overdoses, of violence. And the reason I'm here is as I was praying about what I'm supposed to do with my life after college, this is what popped in my head. Not because I felt like it was something I was supposed to do or because it was something I had experienced. It was just this random thought, go do ministry in a city and work with youth. And so I was like, all right. And that landed me living in this community. I'd been living here for almost a decade in a home. And there's this house around the corner that we would walk by often. And my wife saw it one day and there was a for sale sign out front. And she got really excited. We had a lot of friends that are, had been moving into larger houses. I felt our house was fine as it was, uh, but our family was going to be growing more. We had two kids at the time. We had a thought we might have a third. And, and so she was like, hey, we should look at this house. Well, my hard answer was no, because we, we were both working in ministry at the time. At the time, she was working for the church and doing that part-time. So we're not making money. You don't make money in ministry. You don't do it for the money. <laughs> yeah. and so we really didn't have the money to be talking about buying an, uh, a bigger house. Uh, I also loved our home. And so I didn't want to leave our home. And this home looked like it would need a lot of work. So it had three strikes. I'm a hard no, but I'm trying to love my wife well. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> fine. If you yeah. want to call the number, fine. What she calls, she doesn't get any answer. And I'm like, okay, good. Because I didn't want it to work out. Well, a few days later, or a few weeks later, she's walking down the street and she sees a guy out front. She thinks is the owner. And they start to talk and they set up a time for us to actually come in and walk through the house. So again, I'm a hard no, but oh, I'm fine. I'm going to walk through the house. And for me, it ended up being a good experience because it kind of secured this idea that we're not going to do this because this place was in rough shape. Uh, all the windows had like this thick paper over it. So there's no light coming in. It was dusty. The floors were all worn and splintered. Uh, there's no closets in the you know bedrooms. There's just two bathrooms, but they're like weird bathrooms. It's like, ah, this isn't going to be a good, this isn't an upgrade at all. So we felt, we felt good about saying no to it. Plus they were trying to list it for at least a hundred thousand dollars over what it should be. Wow. So this is our starting point, right? Like uh, a house that I didn't want that was impossibly priced and we don't have the money. So that should be the end of the story. This is where it got weird for me. I was driving home from work and this house was just a few blocks from us, but it was out of the way. But I felt this nudge that I should drive out of the way and drive by the house. So I did. And then when I did that, and this is where it gets weird for some, even for some Christians, <laughs> I felt like not that God was audibly talking to me. I've never heard like an audible booming voice, but I felt this sense. It was like God was saying, I want you to pursue the house and I'm not promising you're going to get it. So now <laughs> I'm feeling this invitation to go after this house that was impossible to get that I didn't want. But then on top of that, the sense that I wasn't even being promised I was going to get it. So this would seem like a really foolish endeavor to chase after something impossible that I can't afford that might not even work out. But I remember feeling this peace. And the reason I felt like it was God is because, again, this wasn't something that I wanted. This was actually something that I didn't want. And for me to suddenly feel this peace about pursuing it, I was like, 
well, this can't be from me because <laughs> I don't know what this is. And so my wife and I talked about it, talked to some friends. We prayed about it. And we're like, all right, let's just, let's just put our toe in the water. Let's just see. And what that started us off on was a six-month journey filled with impossibilities. And I actually, I'm, you know, if people could see me on the screen, they would see me looking up because one thing I've learned is that when there are crazy things going on in my life, when I'm on some crazy adventure, a really healthy and helpful thing to do is to write things down because our memories are awful. Like we can quickly mm -hmm. forget about things. We could quickly uh, exaggerate things. We could quickly change things without even realizing it. And so I've got this document that's nine pages long of these moments that just happened along the way, moments that were impossible, moments that were unexpected. And, you know, we hit this first barrier where we're like, okay, great. Let's say there is a God. Let's say that he is telling us to pursue this house. It doesn't change the fact that we don't have the money to do this. <laughs> like this, it's just an impossibility unless more money comes out of somewhere. And a couple of days later, a couple of people on the same day call my wife and directly tell her about this job that was about to open up. It was a, uh, where I was actually at the same ministry I was working for. It was working for a preschool and actually running the preschool. And it was a preschool that she loved. Our kids, one of our kids had already gone there. Uh, but the real kicker is it was half a block from the house that we were looking at. And it would be a full-time job. She wasn't thinking about going full-time, but for this job, she would do it. Well, suddenly that was a huge influx of money that was potentially there. And so she looked into it and she's like, I think I want to do this. And she pursued it and boom, now suddenly we've got two full-time incomes or like still not enough. The house is a hundred thousand overpriced and it's probably 50, a hundred thousand dollars to renovate it. So it's still impossible unless there is more money. Well, there is one day my wife was going out of town and I decided, you know what, I'm going to really be intentional to pray about this. If I believe that there's a God and if I believe he's telling me to do this, then I'm going to press in a little more and say, you got you to gotta give me more clarity here. And so I did that for three days while she was gone. And when she came back, she's like, hey, uh, I just heard from a family member and they wanted to talk to us about something. And long story short, without getting into the details, that family member wanted to come alongside us financially with a little boost that we did not see coming. We didn't even know was an option on the table. And suddenly like, oh, wow, okay. So there's some more money. We can actually be able to get a loan now, but this is still impossible because there's still so many things. And so, right, we kept on going through these moments. And every time we would see one of these things that made us think, okay, this is going in the right direction, we'd get hit with some other impossibility. When we first reached out to uh, the realtor for the owner, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm staying firm on the price, even though uh, it's way overpriced. To give an example, like housing prices, if I gave the exact prices, depending on where you are, those numbers could mean very little, right? But when they did, uh, our agent ran comparables. So that basically means you look at a few different houses in a neighborhood that are similar. You see what they're listed for, what they have going on, and then you find out what's a fair price among them. And there is a beautiful house that had just been recently renovated. I'm talking like the nicest countertops. That would have been priced 100000 less than what this house was priced at. Wow. And this house <laughs> did not have beautiful countertops. In fact, the cabinets were falling off the walls and all the other things that I mentioned. So I'm like, it is like definitively overpriced, but they were not going to budge. And so after the comparables were like, all right, well, let's just put in an offer 
at where we think is fair and what we can do. And it was like 120,000 less than what they <laughs> had it listed at. So we're like, I don't know how often this happens that we're like lowballing this much, but this is where it should be. And so we put it and they came down just like 20,000, right? So still 100,000 more than it should. It's like impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. But this whole time, I'm still feeling this sense that I'm supposed to keep pursuing this house that again, I wasn't promised I was going to get. And it was weird for other people because they're hearing about all this. They're seeing all this and they're like, what is wrong with Paul? <laughs> like, <laughs> this just seems irrational or financially irresponsible. And even among Christians that believe that there is a God and believe that prayer can work, they're still like, but you've got kids and you've got, ah, man, are you sure about this? And all I had to go off was not logic. <laughs> because this was illogical, was this sense that I had that I was being given this invitation to pursue this house, but I might not get it. <laughs> so I, you know, we kept on going. We try to refinance where we were living to try to see if that can maybe booster things up. We tried, we finally went under contract because they came down to a realistic level, but we did that thinking once they see the inspection report, they're going to see like, this needs so much work and maybe then they'll fix it. So we're counting on them still coming down more. But more and more impossible things keep happening. We get the inspection report back and they're like, oh man, yeah, you're looking at 50 to $100,000. We show it to the, the owners and they're like, no, we're not budging. We're not doing anything else. Just buy it or go. And we're like, oh man, like this is ridiculous. <laughs> and we find out that there's lead in the soil. In the city, oftentimes the soil has a lot of lead in it because of lead paint, because of gaso uh, leaded gasoline, and that can cause developmental issues in children. And we've got children, <laughs> and we were hoping to open our home for children to come from the neighborhood, and we're like, oh my goodness, like, what are we going to do? And we look at what remedi uh, remediation would cost, and it's like fifty dollars to $100,000. Like, we don't even have the money to buy the house, much less renovate, much less remediate. Like, God, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and but I still felt like we're supposed to stay in the process. And so we're still going on this ride. We're still trying to figure out where is this leading? Where is this leading? And here's the sense of humor that I felt like God had where we were living again, a few blocks away, but out my kitchen window, I had a straight shot of the top of this house because it's a taller house than the trees around it. And in the morning, it would be the first thing that the sun would illuminate. And I remember there came this point where it, it seemed like the deal was dead. There's just the, the owner is not budging. The price is just unreasonable and it's out of our reach. Like there's just no way this can work. And the only thing left was for us to sign papers, pulling out. And I'm sitting there fixing my eggs one morning and I'm heartbroken. Cause like by this point, we're a few months in and like, we've already tied some money to it, a lot of time and a lot of heart. And we started to dream and I'm like, man, what if we don't get this house and some other family gets this house and what if I see them moving in and oh my goodness. And this was a moment where I felt like God convicted me because, again, the invitation at the beginning was to pursue this house, and he wasn't promising that we would get it. Well, here I was getting all bent out of shape because we weren't getting this house. And so as someone who claims to believe in God, who claims to follow God, for me to get bent out of shape, it was like God was saying to me, what was it that you were actually pursuing this whole time, the house or me? Because it sounds like you're pursuing the house. And it was this moment of releasing, right? of like, what am I actually chasing after? What am I actually pursuing? And so the journey kept on continuing. 
again, there's nine pages worth of details, but I kept on having to take these crazy steps of faith of like, if I really believe this is what I'm supposed to do, how is this going to look? Somebody, one of the things that ended up saving us, you know, potentially $20,000 was I randomly remembered that months before someone had was going to be doing a renovation and they were getting rid of some kitchen items. And so I thought I might get a table out of it or something like that. And I was like, by this point, all of it's gone. And I reached out and I was like, Hey, is there anything left? And they said, well, actually all of our kitchen cabinets, all of our kitchen appliances, we still had that. And we were just going to give them away. So if you want them, you can have them. And I was like, that's great. That's like, there's granite countertop even <laughs> like, I'm like, all right. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the caveat was they needed it gone January 3rd. Well, by January 3rd, I thought we would be done by then. I thought the contract would be set, but no, like we were still in this murky in between place. So I had to make a decision. Do I say, Hey, we don't know if we're going to get this house. And so it just seems too risky to get all of this, all of these kitchen appliances, cabinets, granite countertop and store them somewhere and then not be able to put them anywhere. Like just seems risky. Or do I say, all right, we're going to take all this in hopes that this house pulls through (laughs) and Fortunately, a friend of mine in the neighborhood had a garage that she wasn't using, which is rare in the neighborhood I'm in to even have a garage, even rarer to have an empty garage. But she's like, mm-hmm. you can use it for a long, as long as you want. So I go and pick up this whole kitchen <laughs> for a house that I might not even get and load it into this garage down the street. And so the journey just kept on going. There kept on being more impossible moments until finally we get to, I guess it was uh, five years ago now to the, to the day uh there is a point where basically they, they they drew a hard line they said look we're not we don't care that there's issues with the house we don't care that the electric needs to be all replaced we don't care that any of this needs to happen we just we just want a deal to be done so buy the house or whatever or or go <laughs> which is wild because they had not gotten any offers in the five years they had it sitting on a listing <laughs> and the thing that did it for my wife and I, we were both worked for this ministry by this point that the founder of it had been transitioning out and they had been there for, I don't know, maybe a decade. And what drew them to the neighborhood was the sense of loving their neighbors and opening their home. And they, and when I say opening their home, I mean, there were constantly, you know, teenagers, neighbors, adults, just coming into their house, having dinner together, doing life together. And so when they were about to transition out, there was this big going away party and there were houses all over the place. And we're seeing these houses and we're hearing these stories and we're hearing this, uh, this couple share about how they're like, don't give us any credit. Like we just came here to love our neighbors. Everything that came from that wasn't because of anything about us. It was because of what that kind of love can do. And my wife and I left that and we looked at each other and we both just kind of knew it was this moment that we didn't even have to say anything about it. We just looked and we're like, we're going to get the house, aren't we? We're like, yeah. So we signed this contract knowing we didn't know if we had the money for it. We didn't know if we'd had the money for the renovations. We didn't know if this would even work out, but it was this sense that that's what we were supposed to do. And on March 15th of 2017, we got the keys and then (laughs) we ended the whole renovation process, which is a whole other story. But for me, it was this, it was, it was one of the weirdest experiences for me because I had never stepped into something that illogical and crazy because I believed that God was telling me to do something, right? Like, and I've been a Christian all my life and claimed that I believed God could say things, but most of my life was living it as though, but 
really? Like, can he? Will he? <laughs> and this was a big, big step to say, all right, I'm staking a lot on this. <laughs> I'm staking a whole lot on this. And to see it come through in the way it did, again, an impossible house that started $100,000 overpriced with $100,000 worth of repairs, if not more. Somehow I'm sitting in it right now talking to you. (laughs) And, you know, the walls are painted, the lead paint was painted over, the floors were sanded down. Like we were able to do renovations that I, right now I can't tell you how we paid for them. The numbers don't add up, but here we are. And it was this, for me, it was a big, even if somebody doesn't believe in God, I think for me, the story really indicates that the, the way that we think things work, what we think reality is, maybe sometimes we don't have as much a lock on it as we think. And maybe there's this invitation to step back and say, maybe there's something I can learn. <laughs> maybe there are things that I don't know about this world, about life, that if I am open-minded, I might be able to see outside of my own imagination into what could actually be. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of logic. Like I go, <laughs> I go more on feeling. So I actually operate like this all the time. Like I go by yeah. what I feel like doing or what excites me today or what's, what's floated in front of my reality today or Maybe somebody said something that I've been thinking mm-hmm. about and then I go, okay, well, maybe this means something and maybe I'll do some research on it or, yeah. yeah. But that I always, I do believe in, uh, I don't necessarily call it God, but more like a higher intelligence or the creator. And I mm-hmm. think that intelligence is always interacting with us all mm-hmm. the time. And that we are actually co-creating along with the creator as well with our thoughts and emotions. So Mm -hmm. it's just a give and take of the communication. And if you start paying attention to those nudges, which you were doing, you paid attention. So imagine if you said, oh, this is crazy. There's no way I'm getting Mm -hmm. that house. Completely dismissed it. Walked away. Didn't pursue it you know, really wasn't open to that possibility, you may not be in that house right now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I get those too. And uh, the funny story is, is the house that I'm in now, I did not want to move. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So in two, uh, so in 2016, I moved, we moved our family from Virginia to North Charleston, South Carolina. And it was a nice house and super nice neighbors and neighborhood Mm -hmm. and everything close to the schools, but we were in a good school system. But once, you know, when you're a a newcomer, you don't really know the area, right? You don't really know Mm -hmm. the schools that well. We realized the high school that our daughter was going to wasn't so great. Mm -hmm. And we were already having a lot of problems in middle school with just the behavior of the kids and being overcrowded and everything. And so my husband kind of went to me someday and he says, you know what? I think we have to move. Mm. And I put my foot down. I was like, no, I don't want to. Like we just Mm -hmm. moved from Virginia to here. That was a huge move. And it's, it's 2019, early 2019, 
And I was like, I don't want to move again. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest, like most of the moving work also comes down to me, like finding the yeah. mover and packing. Yeah. It's a lot of work for me. Yeah. When you're responsible for it, it's a, it's a lot in turn mentally, yeah. beyond physically, mentally. It's, oh yeah. So one day, um, my, my neck was really, really sore all of a sudden. And I couldn't trace it back to anything I'd done or any workout I had done. And I went to my chiropractor and I was like, man, you know, my neck really hurts and I have no idea why. So he adjusted mm. me and, and then I started to get like this pain down my left arm. And I was like, what the heck is mm. this? And then I got a rash that followed the pain. And I was like, oh, crap. I think this is shingles. Mm. So I called up my doctor. And I was like, she's like, yeah, come in. And she takes a look at me. And she's like, yeah, you got shingles. Mm. <laughs> so I don't have any immune issues or anything like that. You know, yeah. I couldn't figure out why this was happening. But I knew it was happening for a reason. So yeah. one of my energy healing teachers had some sort of special. She uses the tarot cards and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can do a quick reading. And I was like, give me a reading and tell me what is going on with this whole house situation. So she's ch- pulling angel cards. So she pulls a lot of Archangel Michael cards. And I was, and she's like, well, gosh, like every card has Archangel Michael on it. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> And she's like, well, that's good. And she's like, and I'm also seeing you. I'm seeing you in a bigger home. I see you near water. I see, she said, I feel like this this is, place is going to be somewhere where you can expand. And that if you stay in your house now, you won't be able to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine. I really don't want to move, but from what she's saying, it's going to be a good move. So Mm. we did end up moving. And I do feel like I have more space to breathe here. I mean, not only my house is bigger, and the the lot is not necessarily bigger, but I have more space around my lot. But I feel like I can breathe here. It's kind of strange. I felt I did. You don't realize when you live somewhere, how constrained you can feel till yeah, you leave yeah yeah no i'm I've, i remember feeling similar things like i here's it was the hard thing for me you know be, in doing ministry i often think about uh what people are experiencing that have different lives than me that may have different struggles and things like that and when we first started talking about uh moving from our home all i could think about is there's a time that we visited a friend who at the time was a missionary in South Africa. And we saw one of the townships there and in the townships, there may be families living in these 10 by 10, just metal sheet metal shacks. And, and all I could think was, man, it is hard for me to think that I need more space when I know that there are families that are in a fraction of what we have. And, and this was one of the things that really encouraged me about the process is I did not want to move for myself, but, you know, when you were talking, it made me think like, we're always trying to get, uh, just take hold of life and understand life. And often it's beyond us, both beyond our comprehension, but also beyond just us individually. Like so much of how I function 
can very uh, can be a default to what's good for me. But there are things about the decisions I make that actually are for other people and impact other people, whether I intend them to or not. And so one of the ways that I got to see that play out in this house is while I didn't think that I needed a bigger house, <laughs> um, I come to find out in the process that there is this woman named Mary Thompson lived in the community for over 65 years. She started this uh, civic association called New Visions because she saw, uh, you know, in the, especially in the 80s coming into the 90s, a lot of drugs began to be funneled into our neighborhood because it was right off of 95. So between Miami and New York, it was a nice stop to kind of build into the drug trade. And so it brought a lot of drugs into the community and really negatively impacted the communities and the neighborhoods. And at the same time, there were a lot of other things happening that were leading people who had means to move out, which meant that the quality of the neighborhood, the property values, everything kind of fell down to the point where she looked around and her neighborhood was like 85% blight. And so she formed this new vision civic league to try to bring families back into their homes. And they were meeting at this church uh, that I come to find out is actually right across the street from this house. And it turns out that years before I even saw this house, she walked out of the doors of that church after one of the new visions meetings and looked at the house. And she just felt this sense that it was supposed to be for the community, like that same kind of a nudge. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, she, she also identifies as a Christian. So she just started praying for it. And she was praying that God would give it to new vision civically and that, but, but she watched that house continue to sit. And so when I came to her and told her about this process, because I um, have been going to that civic association, she got really excited. And she was like, I've been praying for that house. <laughs> but this was the real kicker is she was excited that I wanted to open it up for the community, do things for the community through it. Um, but she still kind of wanted it to be for new visions. Well, the real kicker was in February of 2020, I was uh, elected in as the president of New Vision. She had stepped back and there's a few other people after her, but she had been pushing me to take over for a few years. And so I finally did it. And, you know, February, 2020 is not a good time to take over something, right? Because the <laughs> next month, something else took over the world. And right. so I never been able to preside over an in-person meeting, but that meant that our first meeting that we held over zoom was held in the house that she had been praying for like a decade before that it would be for new visions. And I'm like, well, that's, that is just crazy. (laughs) She wanted this house to be for new visions. And now the president of new visions lives in it and is having a meeting from it. But I had to remind myself, like, this is not just about me and where I'm going to put my bed. Like, what does this look like to, for this house to be for the community, for something beyond me? And it's extra important in our community because our community is changing rapidly. So the vision, the image that I described before, and when I talked about it, having high levels of poverty and um, drug use and violence, we also have high levels of gentrification. So what I bought uh, our home for is now there are houses going for almost double that, that are smaller to size. And it's changing the the dynamics of the neighborhood. And I know one thing that one thing that I'm invited to is to continue to see neighbors that may often go unseen. Because um, when new people come in, sometimes it can be very easy for them to not see who was there before or to look down on those who are there before if they are, especially if they're caught up in things like addiction, right? And what does it look like for me from my home to exhibit, to not just love my neighbors, but exhibit what that looks like. So that's 
that's one thing I was realizing is what started off as me trying to make a decision for my life. On this end of it, I could see one, how my decisions actually play into something beyond me. And, and this is the other piece, the whole beyond our comprehension. What I didn't know then is that this was just one step of a journey because what I practiced in pushing past living by logic, right? What I practiced in trusting the nudges that I was feeling. What I didn't know was going to happen is over the years, more things happened where I'd have to implement those things that I learned. I was in a really hard job situation and I got to a point where I was going to be fired without any cause. Logic would say, I need to defend myself and protect myself, but I felt a nudge to do the opposite of that and actually like show love to the people that were firing me. Then my wife felt a nudge to leave her job <laughs> so that we could, as a family, step into some ministry things. That was not a logical thing because at that point we had three kids <laughs> in this home but that led us to being able to live in Hawaii of all places for three months, which we didn't have the money for. We didn't plan to do any of that. We didn't even know it was on the radar, but we ended up finding ourselves living in Hawaii with rainbows like every day. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and it's like, I could not have, in my knowledge, have forecast any of this. Because yeah. on the front end, all I knew was, I don't want to move. That house is too expensive. <laughs> but now I could see how when we recognize that there's a world beyond us, beyond our mm -hmm. understanding, and we actually step into that with a willingness and a humility, we discover a lot more than we anticipate. Yeah, so you got it. That is the secret sauce right there is just being open to what comes your way. And, and and there's nothing wrong with working toward a goal and putting mm -hmm, your energy mm -hmm. into it, but it's an ebb and flow. Actually, I've learned that sometimes I need to put my energy in it for a little push because things feel stagnant or not moving. And then sometimes I just sit back and just let things happen and yeah. let things roll my way. The interesting thing about you buying those kitchen cabinets without having a house that's actually a feng shui concept and i don't know if you're if you are familiar with feng shui but it's this ancient chinese um belief system i guess that in, to organize your house in the way that will mm -hmm. have the energy flow through it um well so and there's different sections of your home that represent different parts of your life but uh, I, one easy example is like, if you want to look for a partner, uh, one of the feng shui tips is to clear out half your closet and half your dresser and make room for that partner to come into your life, even though you haven't met him or her yet. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. you're telling the universe, I'm ready to have a partner I've made room I put all these lovey-dovey things in my bedroom or whatever you know and I'm I'm, I'm ready so mm -hmm. you put the action and the energy into it and now you're gonna wait for the universe or God to respond so when you bought those kitchen cabinets you were saying to God I'm, I'm serious about this house mm -hmm. I want this mm -hmm. house make it happen mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'd push that even further. Like, so yeah, there is definitely this piece of 
this is how all in I'm in on this. I'm, I'm willing, but this is where that story of fixing eggs was also important to me because I also had to realize, I had to recognize what my pursuit was, right? Because, you know, you had made a good comment that what we're, we're not saying don't work towards something, right? That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is to have a different understanding of an approach to what we're doing. So like right above me, I've got this sign that my, my wife made for me that it says holding things loosely, because that's had to be the theme of my life since I lost my job, since I stepped into ministry. But I would even arguably say going all the way back to this house story. And what it basically says is like, you're still holding something. But sometimes in life, we hold tight to the things we've got. Mm-hmm. And we hold so tight that when something tries to change it, when another opportunity comes up, we won't let go of that. But holding something loosely says, this is still good. This is still something I'm going to carry. But if there comes a point where I recognize maybe I need to not carry it anymore, or maybe there's something else I should hold, I'm holding it loosely enough that I can let it go. So when I hit that point with the eggs where I was like, man, I'd be so sad if someone else moved into this house. Like at that point, I was holding really tight to I have to get this house rather than what is it if if I'm claiming to be someone who follows God, I have an opportunity to actually go all in on saying that I'm holding on to God above all else. Right. That was the the important point for me. So when I got to those cabinets, like I knew this was a big deal, like if this doesn't play out the way I hope it does, but I'm so willing to be all in and saying, all right, you know, what, God, I feel like this is you. I feel like this is your invitation. So even if this falls through, I'm willing to step towards this because going all in on this is way more important than playing it safe, right? And this is something that honestly, a lot of us, a lot more of us should recognize by now, this idea of holding things loosely, because if there's one thing that the pandemic has taught us, it's that there's so many things that we can't rely on. There are people who had jobs that they thought were stable people that a global pandemic took them away. There's people whose finances were locked in that a global pandemic took it away. There's so many things that people had been relying on as their security that we had an opportunity, which I think was a really healthy thing to learn. There are some things maybe we shouldn't hold on to as everything. Um, But when we're able to hold things loosely, there are so many other stories of people who lost everything. But instead of that being the end, they're like, but I'm not, this isn't the end of me. And they suddenly discovered new life, new opportunity, new resources, new, new dreams coming forth that they never would have, people who wrote books that never would have thought they would write books, people who created things they never could have created in the last job they were in. As long as we're holding things tightly, our understanding, our security, our hopes and dreams, if those aren't the right things, or if those things are going to fade away, we're going to crumble down with them. But if we hold it yeah. loosely. <laughs> there's there's this Buddhist concept of not being attached to things, mm-hmm. not being attached to the outcome. And mm-hmm. I think, yes, say what you want, pursue it, but be open to the possibilities because that's why I say there's a higher intelligence out there that's going to offer you something better than you ever imagined. Mm-hmm. So you need to be open. Yeah. To it. So, yeah, I just, I live in that world all the time. This is how I'm operating. So I'm very familiar with, and good thing you yeah. followed those nudges. So, how, so why do you think that house is so important? 
now that you've been living there for a couple of years. What's yeah. so special about this house? Because it's not only you that mm. wanted this house. It was the former New Visions director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I'll go off of something that you just said, you know, and you had mentioned that um, with there being a higher power, if you uh, kind of step into that, there could be more than you could imagine. And this was something I didn't expect. And I'm trying to see. Uh, this was actually what's today's date. So uh, on March 16th, 2014. So <laughs> we're coming up to the day. Uh, I I wrote something. Now, this is well before the house. The house journey started in 2016. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, I came across this picture of an old farmhouse that my friends had purchased. And at this time, a lot of my friends were moving out of the city, moving into bigger houses, moving out into the country. I grew up in the country. I love nature. I didn't want to live in the city. <laughs> I, got, I was following a nudge to come to the city, but that wasn't what I wanted. And so I'm seeing all this and I'm thinking, man, I loved growing up with 10 acres of land and being able to run around the woods. And now my kids are on like a 10th of an acre and like they can't go outside the gate because there's a lot of dangerous stuff just outside the gate that as young kids, they wouldn't know what to do with them. And I remember feeling this weight of, all right, I know what my dream is, but I also really believe that God has called me to serve this specific community and to live in this space. And so I recognize that in order to take a step of obedience towards that, I'm going to have to die to some of my own desires and my own dreams. And I come across this passage. There's a passage in scripture that talks about when a, a grain of wheat falls, you know, unless it dies, it can't bear fruit. The idea is that if you just put a grain of wheat on a table, it's not going to grow in anything. But if it dies and goes into the ground, right, that grain, that seed can turn into a tree. And so I just was writing out this. My thoughts are like, yes, would I love to have a bigger house in the country so my kids can run around? Yes. But this is I feel like I'm supposed to be loving my neighbors here. So I'm going to release that. I'm going to hold it loosely and I'm, I'm going to trust that there's something beyond what I can understand. And the last paragraph I wrote is I could move. In fact, I already have, my parents actually have property <laughs> that I could move on to, but I know without a doubt that God has called me to this area. Therefore, in order to follow him, I must be willing to die to the things I want, trusting that what he has in store will far surpass anything I could craft. So I yeah. thought of those words as you shared what you shared, because when I wrote this in 2014, I didn't know that there was this house that would far surpass everything. And so to press your question even more, you know, for us personally, yeah, I mean, it's, become more space. I do feel what you shared of this like openness. I don't feel crammed in and we've got like a triple lot of, so it's like a double yard, which is more than most houses in the neighborhood. So like my kids can go out and run. They're getting that thing that I long for. I want my kids to be able to run around in nature. It's still in the city, but <laughs> there's more mm -hmm. grass. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for our family, it's been an incredible blessing, but for the community, we, uh, before the pandemic, were hosting cookouts for the community. We would sometimes have these dinners where we would just, whoever you are, we call them food and family. If you're looking for food or family, come on in. Because we have a lot of neighbors that don't have sufficient food. We only recently got a grocery store in the neighborhood. I have friends who are homeless that, that are unsheltered. Uh, I like to clarify because sometimes if we call somebody homeless, we're going to put all kinds of qualifiers and identity statements on there. But I have friends who don't have shelter, Right. And they've been able to come in from the cold. Sometimes they've been able to come and get a meal. And, and we even had a tutoring site that actually used our house for middle schoolers. And they would come into the house, they would use the yard. And 
the pandemic's definitely impacted a lot of our capacity to open our home, but it's been beautiful to see how much has been able to happen with this physical space yeah. that was beyond us. That's beyond a family living here. And I don't know all of what's to come. There's a building in the back that I didn't even talk about. That's part of the story. That's a thousand square feet. It, it needs like 60, 70, $80,000 worth of renovations to be usable. But like, I have dreams of like, my big dream would be for that to stay wide open and be like a warming and cooling shelter uh, that there's a local ministry blessing warriors that they could come and oversee it. But then anybody who doesn't have a warm place to be in the winter, a cool place in the summer, they can just come and step in. Maybe they get a cup of coffee, drink some water, relax. Like I have these dreams, but I don't know, like in and of myself, I can't get to these with what I have. So what I do is I just keep on taking those steps in a direction, keep on holding yeah. things loosely, keep on trusting. And, and you know, again, as believing in God, I believe if, if God wanted me to be here, he can, he has the capacity to do what he wants to do. So I'm going to trust that if he wants something to come with that building, then he'll bring about $80,000. <laughs> that if he wants something to be used in a space that he'll give that clarity. My invitation is to hold things loosely, to be, have my eyes open, my ears open, and to just to be willing to keep on stepping. Yeah, I think that's the concept of surrendering to a higher power that you can't control all everything and that mm -hmm. you just put it out there and say, well, okay, well, I don't know what to do next. So I'm going to hand yeah. this over to you. And then you let me know the next thing I need to do or the next person I need to talk to. But the other thing is, is like people who are of service, like you and I, we are like triply blessed because the whole point of us is that we want to help others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we usually don't have money. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean? We're yeah. not pursuing the CEO, BCFO, whatever, you know, we're not pursuing those jobs, but we want to help others. And then that mm -hmm. comes and, you know, I know, you know, that this comes back to you you know, multiple times in, mm. in different and magical ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say for me too, the most meaningful moments are when it's clear that some interaction, some moment, some way of encouraging or supporting somebody like impacted on a, them on a deeper level than just needs being met. When it's clear that someone's life has been brought to a better place. I guess you could say mm -hmm. I have a, a friend of mine who he uses our garage uh, to store his lawn care equipment. He doesn't have a home for himself. He was living in a rooming home and then he got kicked out of that. He's got a, a small room, but it's like a mile on away. And so he has nowhere to store any of his equipment. And this was another one of those nudges where like, I felt like God was inviting me to, I've got this garage space. It's not a great garage. It leaks and all that kind of stuff, but I could open that. Now that puts me at risk because what if he doesn't lock it and somebody comes in and takes all the stuff or what if he breaks my stuff or what if, you know, all these what ifs, mm -hmm. but like, that's again, me protecting my stuff. That's me holding to my stuff. That's me holding to my will. And I was able to through this nudge to say, okay, I know what the risks are, but I also know what this would mean to this guy, to this friend of mine. And if I'm saying that he's a friend and I care about him, then why wouldn't I take this step? And so um, and to see the impact that that's had on his life, not because I'm anything special, right? Not because of even necessarily what I've done, but that created an opportunity for him to do even more work within the community, to build up the funds that he needed, to, to feel the sense of pride in his lawn care business, right? 
And those are the moments that are worth way more than if I had gotten some job that gave me a higher paycheck. Right. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I mean, when I say that I do ministry in this, I don't even get a paycheck. Like I live off of support. And so in any given month, that support could be gone. But what I've learned is the value of how I've been able to function the last three years living in this way, I've seen way more value than I, when I've worked for somewhere for a paycheck. And that's not mm -hmm. to say people should leave their jobs, right? But it is saying what I've learned from me, I know what I'm called to do. I know how I'm built to function. Like you mentioned, like it is just built into me to care for others, yeah. not to get something out of it. It's just, I just, I desire to care. <laughs> so to be able to do that without the barriers that sometimes uh, a job can present the limitations or sometimes those jobs, the outcomes are shaped by what is best for the organization. I get to function in a way that's best for my neighbors. Right, I get to function exactly. in a way that's best for my community. And there's so much more value to that than an extra zero. Yeah, <laughs> I, get, the big I get to function and I, and I help people and, and it changes their lives. I've seen it over and over again. And those mm -hmm. people that lost all those things, Mm -hmm. great you know why because those things were taking up energy in their lives and when they lost it guess what they cleared the table for new things to come in that's how you have to think about it mm -hmm. if if i don't get what i want what i wanted you know say even house hunting you know house hunting is very emotional so sometimes you find a house you put an offer and it's somebody beat <laughs> yeah. you you know you know what i do i go I just wipe my hands and say, well, I guess that house wasn't meant for me mm -hmm. yeah. and move on. There must yeah. be a better house for us than this house. Yeah. 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 The way that um, one way that scripture puts in, I don't even remember what passage it is, uh, what passage it is, but it basically talks about uh, how everything will fade away, right? Like all these things will fade. Maybe it's Ecclesiastes. That's one of the, those kind of books, but it's this idea of like, we put so much weight on these things that will pass away jobs will go come and go houses mm -hmm. come and go mm -hmm. like we but we put so much weight on these things and when we learn to not put so much weight on them when we get a hold hold things loosely when we learn to do that then the worst of things can happen and it won't destroy us we mm -hmm. could lose the things that we never wanted to lose and it not destroy us because we're no longer shaped around those things but yeah. around understanding who we actually are yeah and you can't take those things with you when you die yeah yeah so you know, all this hoarding of money and whatever you know you're, you can't take it with you so enjoy it if you have an excess share it and help others and you're generous with it then it's going to come back to you you yeah. know so it's just this whole operating how, how I operate sounds like you operate the same way and you're listening to mm -hmm. those nudges. And I would encourage listeners to listen to your nudges and yes, they are illogical, but pay attention to them. At least don't immediately dismiss them because we're getting maybe God or your angels or the creator is trying to communicate with you. So pay mm -hmm. attention. Yeah. Cause you may get a fantastic house in the end yeah. and think you never could have afforded it you know mm -hmm. you never know so you know that question they ask in a job interview where they say where are you going to be in five years mm -hmm. i hate mm -hmm. that question you know why yeah. because i don't know what i'm going to be in five years but it's going to yeah. be more fabulous than where i am right now 
Yeah. Yeah. It's better than I can imagine. Yeah. The, the, I, there's a, there's a verse that's similar to that. That's the, um, oh, I should know the reference like Ephesians 3 20 or 21, but it's to him who's able to do abundantly more than you could ask for or even imagine. And I constantly think of that because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what's beautiful. Like you and I, like there are a lot of ways that we're very similar and a lot of ways that we see things differently, right? Like beliefs and things like that. And even your listeners, there's probably ways that are similar and probably beliefs that are different, but there are these common threads yes. that we're seeing that are mm-hmm. part of actual reality. And we're, we go through life believing a really packaged understanding of reality that the older we get, the more we see how that's just not what's true. (laughs) Like the reality is actually way bigger than what I think it is. And part of that comes from releasing control. Like we want it to be packaged because then we can control that because then we know what to expect. But that, that verse, the abundantly more than I could ask or imagine, it's become even more meaningful since things like the house, since losing my job in an unjust way, but finding more life and life-giving things afterwards since finding myself living in Hawaii when that was never on the table, right? And, and so many more things. Like I know what I could ask for in my life, whatever, whether it's like asking people around me, asking God, I know what I can imagine, but I'm with you. I hate that question as well because mm-hmm. nobody knows what's going to happen in five years. And my best case scenario in my mind now is not going to be the same as my best case scenario in five years and who's to say that either of those best case scenarios are even good at all because (laughs) sometimes like the thing that I thought was the best thing ever when I was a kid (laughs) I don't agree with that anymore right we actually we don't know what we don't know but as we grow as we learn as we are open then we begin to see that life is bigger than us and then our understanding of what is best actually begins to change and, and what gets really beautiful is when it does expand beyond our own personal little bubble, because that's honestly like, that's what I believe is we were created for community, for each other. Like we weren't created to be isolated. Right. And I think we see examples of that throughout our lives. I see it throughout scripture for sure, but like throughout even just everyday life moments where it's clear that, yeah, we seem to function better when we're actually authentically loving each other, caring for each other. And and when, if we really believe that, then that maybe that should impact our everyday decisions. But how we are raised, how the culture drives us is it's about your job, your finances, your life. And then yes, also care for other people, but that, that you got to get that locked in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be an either or like right. we can, we can, like you said before, pursue things, pursue the job. But also we can do that with an understanding of there may be more than I know, and there may be people around me that this is about beyond me, but that, that's a, it's a journey, right? Like you and I are still learning how to do that. We're going to still be learning how to do that in 10, 20, 30 years, because this is something that it, it takes a lifetime to really grasp. Yeah. And like with my story about the shingles is if something that like that happens to you, you know, stop and reflect on why at this mm-hmm. moment in time, this is happening, yeah. you know, and seek out some advice if you need to. I didn't know I was getting shingles. I was kind of pissed I got it, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. um, then, you know, once I got that reading, I was like, oh, okay, I guess hmm, I don't want to, but 
this seems to be a good path. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm glad I took it. It was still a lot of work, yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> like you, yeah. we since we moved, we, we gained a ton of equity just because of yeah. the housing demand and everything. So financially it worked out, you know? So it's just like, it's going to work out. And I tell people, believe God or the universe or the creator, whatever your higher power is, believe that that being has your back. Mm-hmm. You know, I ask this of my clients all the time. Do you believe the universe has your back? I said, well, I never really thought about it before. And I said, mm-hmm. I do. And I can give you a hundred examples. Yeah. So what you were talking about is like universal laws, mm-hmm. the laws of the universe. This is how you, what you said you called reality works. This is how mm-hmm. the universe works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to what you just said, that's, you know, I started off saying that this weird experience for me is something that I found has been a little too weird for some Christians. And part of that is because of what you, you just named. You know, there are a lot of people that identify as Christian that, that say they believe that God exists, but they haven't actually asked that question. Do you actually think God is for you? Do you actually think that he has your back? Do you actually yeah. think that he loves you? Because when they look at the situation I was stepping into, what they see is the logic. Okay, yeah, sure. Paul believes in God at all, but like, that would be really stupid and irresponsible and reckless to pursue an expensive. Like they, they couldn't see past to the place where like what I was saying is no, I feel like God's inviting me into this. And so instead of relying on what I want or my logic, I'm going to bank on this God that I believe in having my back and that yeah. he's not trying to throw me into ruin, but <laughs> I'm also going to bank on it. Meaning that he, this doesn't mean that he's promising me the house. But what he is promising is abundantly more than I can ask or imagine. It might look very different, right? But that's what I'm banking on. And there are so many Christians right now that will say that they believe in God, but they don't believe in him at that level, that they would be willing to step out and say, you know what? I believe in you so much. I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm I'm going to trust that the best case scenario is going to happen to me, Mm -hmm. even though it may look bad and that's not what I wanted, but it's almost like what we get is so much better. Maybe we didn't even know really what we wanted, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's going to come down the pike if we just stayed open. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what is fulfilling may even shift in our minds. Like the, the default assumption is that what's going to make us feel great is if we have the best things and the best house and the best car. But contentment is a very different thing. Contentment is, uh, you know, there's the, uh, the Apostle Paul puts it, you know, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. And then he describes some horrible situations he was in. And yet he was somehow content. Like we can actually find contentment even when the worst things are happening. And so that's what like, there's a, I, I think too, when I think about the abundantly more, I think of there is this, uh, and if I'm talking too much about scripture, feel free to stop me. But no, go there. ahead. I'm interested because <laughs> this, this is still in line with my belief system. And I'm yeah. Catholic, so I'm very familiar with so you, the Bible. Great. Yeah. Well, because I want to be honoring too, because this is, yeah. you know, this is your space. And I also know how unhonoring some Christians have been in presenting things. But, you know, what came to my mind when you were talking about that is that, you know, uh, uh, when you were talking about us not knowing what might be ahead there's this point where jesus tells his disciples hey if you keep following me 
or they said they said to him, uh, somebody rich had just come through and asked Jesus, hey, how can I get to eternal life? And Jesus says, sell all you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And the guy hung his head down low and he, he walked away depressed because he had great wealth, right? And then the disciples are freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, like, well, who could get to heaven? They're like, how much is Jesus going to ask for us? And then they look at Jesus. They're like, we have given you, we've left our homes. Like we've left our jobs. We've left everything. Like, are we good? <laughs> like, are we going to be fine? And Jesus says something to the effect of, uh, and I'm, I'm misquoting it, I'm sure, but anybody who has, you know, left home or family or land or any of those things will get tenfold, hundredfold back, you know, what mm -hmm. they have lost homes mm -hmm. and family. And I remember reading that one day, I'm like, but I don't see that in scripture. I don't see the, the scriptural reference in Acts where Peter is talking about his hundred homes that he has because he left his home. But this is the really beautiful thing is the reality is, is it's actually there and it's somewhere in like Acts four, but the Acts, uh, the, the disciples, Jesus is, you know, gone up, told them to stay. Acts starts off talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, but they start the first church and there's this point where it's talking about how that church was functioning. And it said that everybody, there are thousands of them now that, uh, they had shared everything in common. They all became brothers and sisters in Christ. Anybody who had homes, like gave it to the church and anybody who had land. And so what that basically meant is now Peter being a part of this body of believers suddenly had who had left family had access to this thousands of new brothers and sisters had access to all these homes, had access to all these land. And this is the beautiful thing is someone could have interpreted Jesus' words as a very specific, precise thing. If you leave your house, you're going to get 10 more houses. But what was happening here is they had an opportunity to have their perspective shifted, not from the best case scenario is having all this land and all these homes. But for them, it was being a part of this body of people who were learning what it meant to care for each other, love, for, love each other, you know, do life together. And it was way more, abundantly more than they could have asked for or imagined. And so in our lives, we know what our best case scenario is. We think that it is the better house, the better car, the better job. And when we can't get those things, it crushes us. When we are pursuing that job, like you mentioned, and like we're getting passed over, it crushes us because that's what's supposed to happen. But what if, there actually is something way better. And yeah. what if it looks very different? But when you are in it, you will find this contentment. And you might even look back and say, man, I don't even need the best clothes. I don't even need all that stuff anymore. Because what I found is so much better than riches. Right? Yeah, you can't put a dollar sign on peace of mind and happiness. Mm -hmm. But I think what Jesus was saying is, he said he was telling him, you have to have faith. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that God has your back? If you did, yeah. you would just get rid of everything and follow yeah. me. Yeah. And then wait is, to yeah. see what happens to you. Yeah. Believe something better, something good is going to happen as a result. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, it's like he was asking him, what are you putting your security in? Mm -hmm. Me or your money? Mm -hmm. Because to give up your money is to give up your security, to give up your security for your family. I mean, it was a legitimate risk for him to do that. But I think you're right. It was that he was asking a deeper question. And what's so hilarious is Jesus is the same guy who said, you know, hate your father, hate your mother, hate your children, you know, hate your own life and follow me. Like a really like 
strikingly odd verse for someone who's <laughs> supposed to be loving. And but you can look at scripture and see Jesus didn't wasn't Jesus wasn't anti-family. So how can those two things coincide? Well, it's because it goes to what you were saying. He was actually asking something deeper in his question. He was saying, what are you putting every like your faith in? What are you putting your security in? And, you know, the reality is, is Jesus didn't take family away and he might not have even taken the riches away. Like if the guy had said, you know what, fine, I'm, I'm selling all I have and giving away. Who knows? He may have actually found more riches like yeah. as a result of he that. He would have. I will guarantee you he would have because the more generous you are, the more it comes back to you. So you will be taken care of. Mm -hmm. If you take care of others, you will be taken care of because we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, and that's where you get that image of the the church in Acts is that's what that's how it was supposed to be functioning. That there were people that are like, you know what, I've got this. You need that. Boom, here we go. Yeah, and we've come up. We've we've fallen a long way from that. Particular, and when I say we, I mean Christians. Like have fallen a long way from living in such a way where we are willing to love others at that level. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is, is there today is always a good day for someone to start loving their neighbor with yeah. what they have and who they are. The other thing you can apply to is in healing. Like um, I've been practicing energy healing for years and years, and I've seen it really help a lot of people to help me. But sometimes I can't figure something out for myself. Actually, we're the hardest to heal is ourselves. I think it's mm -hmm. easier to help healing in others. Mm -hmm. So what does that do? That forces me to ask others to help me because that's the way the universe is set up. We're not here. We're not here to be alone mm -hmm. and not talk to anybody, not have any friends and not get any help. The way it's structured is we have to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, we're built there's for community. There's, there's people that, um, you know, they don't, they feel like they should do everything on their own. And I think at one mm -hmm. point in my life, I was like that too. But I realized I can't, that I will eventually hit a wall and that I will have to go outside of myself to ask for help. Yeah. And we don't know how that actually can be about more than just our healing. Because sometimes when someone is able to serve us, that's actually healing and restorative for them. Yeah. And when we say no, <laughs> that we're actually rejecting an opportunity for them to get an experience of being blessed or being encouraged or being healed. Um, I think of it, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I will take all the grocery bags uh, by myself. And if someone asks if they can help me, I'll say, no, no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what if that person like generally wanted to help, like not because I was weak and needed help, because that's what we're afraid of. If we ask for help, it shows our weakness. It shows our inability. It shows we're giving up. No, 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 no. Sometimes people want to step in because that act of caring for another, it builds them up. It allows them to be connected. Like that person would be walking before. Maybe they needed connection. And if I had said, no, 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 I got all the groceries. Now I have robbed them of the opportunity for connection, right? So again, mm -hmm. it's forcing us to think outside of ourselves. Sometimes our moments of needing to reach out to others is also because it gives others an opportunity to find healing as well. And you know what? It feels good to help others. So if someone wants to help you, let them. Mm -hmm. Let them yeah. help you. Yeah. You feel good. 
they feel good. Everybody feels good. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Well, um, Paul, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. It was really fun to talk to you. And yeah. I didn't know I was quoting scripture so much. I mean, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's still all in my brain all it's, those years yep. I was reciting the Bible in Catholic school. <laughs> yep. yep, the catechisms and yep. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoy this time, though, and I appreciate it. And, you know, I really love too. like people are so scared sometimes of engaging in spaces where they don't know if both parties are going to see the world the exact same way. And I think what you and I have experienced often, but also have demonstrated now is you could connect with anyone <laughs> right now, yes. no matter what you believe, and you can have a genuine, authentic, and powerful connection. And maybe if we started stepping more into that, uh, we could see a lot more change than the dichotomies that we like to perpetuate. Yeah, get to know people and um, don't just judge a book by its cover. You mm. know, you never know what people are like. And I'm sure as a podcast host yourself, sometimes I don't always agree with what my guest is saying. Mm -hmm. You know, but I let I hear them out and I try to find the ways where we do connect and agree. Yeah. And the stuff I don't agree with, I just stay mum <laughs> because this is yeah. my podcast is about storytelling. So mm -hmm. I need to hear their story. But that yeah. doesn't even my for me to disagree. Who cares? You know, it doesn't happen often. But I mm -hmm. think, yeah, you can find a meeting ground, no matter how different you think that person is from you or their belief system or anything. We pop, we have more in common than we don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell the audience how they can find your podcast and if they have any questions, how to reach you. Yeah. So the first place to go is www.wheredidyouseegod.com. That's where you can find the podcast. You can find things that I've written, videos that I've made. I have a free devotional that I wrote, which was another nudge, a whole other story we won't get into, uh, but I'm making it free. You can also buy it on Amazon, but I made it really cheap on there, but I want to offer it for free because I don't want cost to be a barrier if somebody wants to step into it. And actually goes into the book of Revelation, which is a book I did not want to read <laughs> and did not. But uh, again, there's a whole story, but uh, it ended up being a really good experience. And I wanted to make it something that's accessible, particularly it's called a journey through Revelation for the person who doesn't want to read Revelation. <laughs> I want to make it accessible um, without being scary, like some people end up making it or weird or yeah. any of those other things. Uh, the podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And Ultimately, you know, I'm just here kind of like you. I, I love creating a space for stories. And so if anybody ever wants to just process, you know, my podcast specifically focus on who is this God? Does he exist? How does he work? How have I seen him work? And so if anybody ever wants to just process that, uh, I want my podcast to be a place where it's like your podcast, a safe place to openly explore things and then to see where things go. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Paul. Yeah, thank you so much. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. 
I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot, and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218, or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.